Good morning, everybody. Um, really good to uh, be speaking to you again. I'd love to be able to um, see you more than just some names on a screen, but um, we are looking forward to that day when we can be gathered once again. Um, it's worth, as we begin this morning, saying that really we're just going to focus actually in on one verse. And therefore, it's a very simple sermon. We're actually going to focus in on the verse that um, Jordan was helping the kids think through again. Um, 42 verse 5, 42 verse 11, 43 verse 5, they're all the same verse. Um, so I want to say it's a simple sermon, but it's not simplistic. And that's the reason we are spending time in trying to kind of rub it in and think about how we can grow in these things and how we can get better at this. I think it's something we all profoundly struggle with. It's profoundly unnatural. And so let's pray that God would help us as we um, wrestle again with this verse. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we do pray for our, our hearts this morning. We pray that you would soften them. And we pray that as we hear your voice, as your, as your word comes alive to us, we might encounter the Lord Jesus and that that encounter would be life-changing, life-giving. Be at work, we pray. We don't simply want to be hearers. And so deceive ourselves. We want to be doers of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned him briefly in passing in the first week, but um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was initially a, a medical doctor and then a prolific pastor, preacher, teacher, author in the mid to late 20th century. Most famously, perhaps, he was pastor of Westminster Chapel in London and he preached weekly to thousands of people. Today, many a Christian's library will have books and commentaries written by him, often slowly, very slowly, working through a passage or half a verse or so at a time. And personally, I particularly enjoyed one he wrote on the Sermon on the Mount, um, his famous uh, 366 sermons working through the book of Romans. Um, is one that people know. That's a little over seven years worth of sermons all on one, one topic. Um, maybe that's a sermon a day on a leap year. Um, now that's a helpful set of commentaries that many own. And yet one of his best-selling books ever is a book called Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Its Cures. Currently, interestingly, out of stock on Amazon. Published in 1965, highly valued, widely circulated. I think there are at least eight different editions that have been um, reprinted and produced. And yet it's a book that uses our two Psalms, Psalm 42 and 43, as a kind of launch pad, a springboard to talk about how to help people who are suffering spiritually. Why was it? Why is it so popular? Why so many copies sold? Why so many reprints and new editions? Why such a bestseller for so long? I can only think it's because for so many it resonates so closely with the reality of our Christian lives. It resonates with, as we said in previous weeks, the, the, the tension for us of the now and the not yet of us being both in Christ, seated in the heavenly realms, Paul will say in Ephesians, and yet we are also in Oxford. We are seated in the heavenly realms and we are seated in Cowley or Headington or Botley or Littlemore or wherever it is you are watching this from. 
there's a tension, there a paradox, and the, the joy and the pain that we feel, the being at home and yet not at home, means that life is hard. Means that books about spiritual depression are bestsellers. Means that the tension is there. And so our focus for today is a simple one, and it's this, this vital call at the heart of these two Psalms to speak to yourself. Last week, and as Jordan was reminding us, and with the children a moment ago, we were thinking about the need to lament, to cry out to God in a way that is both real and honest, and yet at the same time, hopeful and trusting. This week, the focus turns from not from us speaking to God, but rather how we talk to ourselves. And you remember, if you've maybe missed a week or you, this is the first one for you, why are we saying these two psalms are for people like us? Do you remember the, the four reasons, if you've been with us in previous weeks? Do you remember the four Fs? He's number one, far from home. And so he's far from God. He's isolated and distant from where he wants to be. And, and we know something of that isolation at this time, don't we? Second F, he's in the firing line from opponents and cynics and people looking to mock him. Where is your God now, they say. Maybe increasingly we know something of that in the West. The third F was festivals. That is, he looks back on happy times gone by at the temple and and they bring him joy, but they also bring him pain and longing. The looking back that reminds us of all that we can't do at the moment. The fact that we can't gather in a way that we would like to at the moment. And so to cap it all off, the final F is that he feels forgotten by God. It feels like his prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Feels like God is not looking after him. Maybe that resonates with you at the moment. Maybe that resonates with where you are in the darkness of the night, unanswered prayers and longings and pain, whether whether to do with lockdown in this situation or something else. Something else that you're carrying, a burden that you have. So those are the four F's. Those are why in many ways these two Psalms resonate with us. And yet that that repeated refrain that he keeps coming back to, do you remember it? 42 verse 5, 42 verse 11, 43 verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour. And my God. I want to say two things really to us this morning as we apply this idea to us and really it's splitting that verse in half. The first thing I want to say and I don't want to labour this because we, we have looked at it in weeks gone by but I think it's important again for us to to bring it up and that is sometimes we feel low. We sometimes feel low. That is not a, a sub-Christian or a non-Christian or an un-Christian thing to acknowledge. The Bible, these Psalms give us the space to do that, to be honest. So we sometimes feel low. And secondly, we always need to hear the gospel. We always need to hear the gospel. We'll come on to that in a moment. But before we do, it's right probably at this point just to pull into a lay by. And as we talk about people being low or downcast or depressed, it's right to say that in big, broad terms, that can be for different reasons. Sometimes people can feel like that for situational reasons. That is, that the context that they find themselves in, something has happened or is happening to us. 
sometimes though it's it's clinical reasons your brain not working in a way that it's meant to work not doing what it's supposed to do and the two can certainly be linked but we just need to acknowledge that we also need to say that there can be a spectrum a, a range of how we experience and feel this from a from a bit difficult to, to totally debilitating unable to do anything for the day unable to do anything for the week and of course i don't want to claim at all that everything i'm going to say from these psalms is everything that needs to be said of course at times doctors i think ought to be consulted medication can for some be a real help for a great deal whether longer term or just for a time for a short season or a period but with that said, what do these Korahites and indeed God's Holy Spirit have to teach us as we consider what godly wisdom looks like in the midst of darkness? What things can we, we take and apply? What sort of things ought we be doing as those who trust God? Well, as I say, first point, and it sounds a bit simple or simplistic, but it says it's, we sometimes feel low why my soul are you downcast why so disturbed within me and we are all different in a in a proverbial zoom room like this or if you're watching on youtube you will hopefully know you you will know what you are like and you will know that you are different from other people you we all have different dispositions, different tendencies, different personalities. Some of us are a bit more tigger-like, bouncy, usually up, takes a, knot, a lot to knock us. Generally, we've got a more cheerful disposition. Some of us are a bit more Eeyore-like. We are more often down than up, perhaps. We are more easily knocked. Life is just a bit more gloomy. We're not so much glass half empty, but lots of the time we struggle to see there's even a glass involved. Many of us will be somewhere in between. And many of us will waver. We talked about that in the first week as well, just the way in which there are mountains and valleys in this psalm, the speed with which our emotions can change through this last year may have taken you by surprise. Different factors, different stresses that can mean what we sometimes feel low. And for many, that lowness, that downheartedness, that why my soul are you downcast, why so disturbed within me, can be triggered by external experiences or situations, bad things that happen to us. But then what is striking is it's the internal dialogue that can really tip us over the edge, that the internal dialogue that accompanies the bad things can really be what cripples us. We say, why my soul are you downcast? Why, do, why so disturbed within me? And the answer that we give ourselves is, well, I'll tell you why. I've got a whole list of reasons why I'm feeling downcast. Let me spell them out for you. And we talk to ourselves, but it's not so much speaking truth. It's more repeating the lies or it's the catastrophizing or it's the focusing in on exactly what is wrong and, and why we feel that way and how that made us feel and the moaning and the muttering and the mithering, which, let's be honest, we can be far too good at. It's as if, it's almost as if we've got this internal scratch record that's stuck on a loop. Now, for the younger people watching, a record is like a compact disc. 
And if you don't know what a compact disc is, it's like an MP3 music track, but stored on a shiny silver circle that you put into a, a computer or something and it plays music to you. What would happen with records before you were born was sometimes they would get scratched and stuck. And so as you played them, you would hear the same words again and again and again. Now, of course, um, vinyl records are making a comeback. But what are the messages that you hear? If you have an internal scratch record in your head and you hear the same message again and again, what gets stuck on repeat inside you? If we could listen into your head or your heart in those low moments, what kind of things would we hear? Do, do you even know what they are? Does anyone else at Morden Road know what they are? Are they burdens that you carry alone? Maybe for some it'll be, you're not good enough for God. Maybe for some you are defined by that failure in the past. You are defined by that skeleton in your closet. That thing you did, that thing that was done to you, that is what defines you, we hear. Or, or, or you think, we look back and you think, I, I made a mistake when I decided to turn that way. And now everything is ruined and it's not what it's meant to be. And now life is all second best. And we can't shed that message. We can't get rid of that. For some, it's you're defined by your weaknesses, the things that you can't do. For some, maybe you're defined by your parents and the decisions, the mistakes even that they made. For some, it's you're defined by your children and how they've turned out. For some, it's the message that says you are dysfunctional. And the way that you have dealt with this COVID season just shows that dysfunctionality. For some, it's you don't deserve to be at church. And if they all knew, then you would not be welcome here. What are the messages on repeat in your head in those low moments? What things do you struggle with? I was reading a pastor um, recently um, who was writing about this kind of idea and I think he put it really helpfully and in a way that resonates, um, I know perhaps with myself and others, he said this, he said, when I have made a mistake as a parent or a husband or a pastor, this voice may blare in my ear without warning. It says, so what about any success or affirmation I've had? It asks, what else? It tells me that I'm only as good a parent, a husband, a pastor or a Christian as my failures in these areas. Do you see the psalmist here? He re Remember, his lowness is due to distance and opposition and feeling like God is not there. And while may some of that might resonate with us now in this season, the truth is you might feel like the psalmist for all kinds of other reasons. You might feel downcast for other things that you are carrying externalities that affect us internally, records that get stuck on repeat, messages that we can't forget. And what do we do at times like that? Of course, it's a problem that everyone's trying to deal with. Those in church and those outside church. You know, you know why there are so many self-help books released each year? 
why it is such an enormous industry. Head on to Amazon this afternoon and flick through them. It's an extraordinary phenomenon. Book after book, DVD after DVD. Why so many? It's because they don't work. Everyone looking for the silver bullet, everyone looking for the answer. And you see, in sinful and broken world like this, and in bodies like these, there will always be dark times. The, the Bible is never, never elusive about that. It's not just in the small print that you can't really see. It's, it's on every page. And yet God, by his Holy Spirit, through the psalmist, gives us a glimpse as to what we are to do in those dark times. And he says, talk to yourselves. We are to talk to ourselves, not because we're mad, not because we are mithering and moaning and in self-pity, not because we're focusing on the inside and we're catastrophizing about what is wrong, not because we are wallowing in the darkness, but rather to talk to ourselves, to take active steps, to not believe what his heart is saying, to believe what he knows of what God says. And so our second point then is that we always need to hear the gospel. We always need to hear the gospel. See, the Christian faith never claims to have all the answers. Anyone who says that being a Christian has sorted out everything and made life uncomplicated is either not being honest with themselves or not being honest with anyone else. The problem, the problem the psalmist faces is this experience of life at odds with his experience of what he knows of God. And, and yet we can't get stuck in the first half of the verse. I think that's the problem is so many of us get stuck after the first two lines. Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Oh, I don't know. I'll go and watch a Netflix or I'll go and binge or I'll go and distract myself or I'll read a book or whatever it is for you. What the psalmist says to us is, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. This is not escapism. This is speaking to himself. There is always hope for the believer. And maybe you say, well, we know that. We've thought about that in weeks gone by, but. But friends, please don't switch off at this point. I'm labouring it deliberately this week. I'm focusing on it, on this one verse, because I'm just not sure we're very good at it. I, I, I'm not sure we're very good at all. If you're anything like me, your immediate response to hardship, your knee-jerk reaction is, is to not remember truth, to not preach to yourself. It, it's not to be hopeful. But it's to get sucked into the problem. But the psalmist says to himself, put your hope in God. I mean, to be clear, this is not simply positive thinking. That may be helpful. This is not simply positive thinking. This is not what's sometimes called word of faith theology or naming and claiming. This is not him kidding himself or distracting himself or pretending everything's going to be OK, pretending the problem is not a problem. Now, this is biblical hope. This is hope based on the gospel based on truth, based on what our God is like, based on the fact, as we saw last week, that our God is a saviour. You see, it could be that at times 
we may well feel like the dark reality of Good Friday threatens to overwhelm us. It may well be that we feel the reality of brokenness and sadness and tears, and those things are our closest companions. Or it may well be we feel like the gloomy limbo of Easter Saturday. That that limbo will be our reality forever. That it feels hopeless. We're, we're kind of waiting. We're, we're waiting for something. But brothers and sisters, Sunday is coming. Sunday is always coming and the tomb is empty and our king is risen and he loves us and his plan is being worked out. He is not out of control. It has not all gone wrong. And there we have an anchor. There we have an anchor in the midst of the storms of life, in the midst of our swirling emotions. The tomb is empty. He is risen. We can trust him. And friends, if we need to do it every day, then keep coming back there. Never move on from the empty tomb. Never move on from the risen Jesus. He said he would rise. He promised he was rise. No one believed him, but he did. He said he will come back. He's promised he will come back. Many don't believe him, but he will. We can trust him. There is always hope and, and yet in the darkness and our thinking gets foggy and we forget these things and we lose sight of it. And so it's a deliberate decision at that point that we need to make to not get stuck in the mire of downcast. And yet to remember that we have a hope because the tomb was empty. Writer Jared Wilson puts it this way. He says, the person must defy their depressed self. Stop listening, start talking, don't blather, don't mumble. Take hold of yourself and preach. Proclaim glad tidings of great joy. Tell yourself that you are loved by God, that Christ has died in your stead, that the spirit lives in you, consecrating you to God and guaranteeing your salvation. Inform yourself that Jesus is your defence attorney, that he pleads his blood in response to every charge brought against you. Friends, we must in those moments stop living as if God is not real. Stop living as functional atheists. There are still reasons for praise. Put your hope in him. You have a reason for hope. We, we might need to keep doing it. It may need to be a daily di discipline. It, persistence is important. It's not a natural thing. It's a, it's a thing we easily forget. It's a thing to be learnt and relearnt. And when there's a problem, it, it sucks us in and it's tangible and our hearts get stuck there. And so when he speaks to himself, he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. I think that's striking because the verse can, I think, be taken as both, both a hope for today and a hope for the future. It's, it's, it's a hope for today because it's a decision. It says, I will praise him. Despite all that's going on, despite the situation, I will choose to have hope. I will choose to praise him and have hope in him today. The decision, despite the mess. 
despite all that's going on, despite what my heart is doing, what my head is doing, despite the downcast nature of my myself at the moment, today I will be hopeful. I will yet praise him. So it's a daily thing. And yet, secondly, though, I will yet praise him must also include the hope of the future. Do you remember the situation? He is away from the temple. He wants to be back there. He wants to be back in the place of corporate praise. He wants the, the prayer of 43 verse 3 to be answered, to be back with God again, to be back in the place of life. I think both of those ring true, don't they? The, the daily decision and yet the future hope as well. The daily decision to choose hope, even in lockdown, even when we're wrestling with homeschooling, even when whatever it is in your situation that you're struggling with, because we know our saviour and our God to praise him, to decide to do that. Maybe put some music on. Maybe have some hymns around your kitchen printed out so you can you can sing them when you feel low and remind yourselves of truth. Maybe it's a thing we need to do to each other today. Have hope to preach to one another as we preach to ourselves. But then as well as that, the future hope. To continue to trust that he is sovereign. And in control. And we might have questions. And we might be scratching our heads, but to trust that he's got us and he won't ever let his people go and he's got our future in his hands and he's still good and we can still cling to him. Some of you might know the um, 19th century Baptist minister Charles Spurgeon. He, he suffered regularly from bouts of very, very low depression, in part actually due to grief at a stampede that happened when he was preaching at church once. It's a big church and someone falsely cried out that there was a fire. And there was a huge stampede and people, people died. And this memory, this grief plagued him for the rest of his ministry. But as we finish, have a listen to him in one of his sermons. This was from the 20th of May, 1866, at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. He said, I am the subject of depressions of spirit so fearful, though I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go to. But I always get back again by this. I know I trust Christ. I have no reliance but in him. And if he falls, I shall fall with him. And if he does not, I shall not. Because he lives, I shall live also, and I spring to my legs again and fight with my depressions of spirit and my downward castings and get the victory through it. And so may you, and so you must, for there is no other way of escaping from it. In your most depressed seasons, you are to get joy and peace through believing. Stick to this, dear friends. Did you catch that? I know I trust Christ. I, I have no reliance but in him. And if he falls, I shall fall with him. And if he does not, I shall not. And friends, the Lord Jesus never falls. And so cling to him. Today is a day for hope. Let's pray.
Father in heaven, one in one sense, uh, a very simple message, a very simple verse, and yet at the same time, profoundly difficult. Help us, please, in the midst of those downcast moments, to remember the hope that we have in you, hope for today and hope for the future. Might we be those who, who choose to praise, who choose to trust you, who, who decide. Help us in those moments to gospel ourselves, to remember the empty tomb and to continue to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.